Irma, thank you for being here. I like, I'm really happy that you're on the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah. This is great. So tell me, we was, we just got to having lunch. Right. I enjoyed that lunch. I just enjoyed talking with you. I mean, it's so like for, it's the first time, for the first time that I met you. So where are you from originally? Kansas. Kansas. Kansas then you, you, then you did tell me, then you went up to New York. Well, okay, so the family started, my mom and dad are from Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. Okay, my dad went to Langston, mm -hmm. historically black college in Oklahoma. And after he graduated, they moved to, my dad moved to Kansas. Mm -hmm. Okay, um, met my mom. They grew, had the family start out in Wichita, Kansas. From there, they moved to Minnesota. Mm -hmm. And that's when I was born. Okay. Okay, so I was born in Minneapolis, right. St. Paul, Minnesota. Right. And lived there until, um, like say I was one or something. Right. Then we moved to Rochester, Minnesota. My dad worked for IBM. So my dad was an, is an engineer, scientist, metallurgist. Did he ever get sent outside the United States? He never did. He never did, okay. But he IBM always, was doing a lot of that. They were doing a lot of that. Yes. But he worked internationally. He was doing his research internationally. Mm -hmm. So he, when he was at Boeing in Wichita, Kansas, he worked on the B-52 bombers. Wow. Okay, long wingspan, yes. had a lot of problems with those things. Right. He was doing, he, was, he picked up a research paper from a guy in Russia, shot peening, on how to do better testing for materials and he had his own lab, he had his technicians, he's a, a black man in, in Wichita, Kansas, working on the B-52 bomber, and he was keeping them things flying. So he had some money. You, you didn't grow up too shabby. I didn't, like, no, we didn't, do, we didn't go shabby. Dad, dad he, had his, he was smart. And you're one of four. You're the last of four. I'm the last of four. Okay. Yeah. Older sister, older brother. You got it. And one more older sister. Exactly. She's, so you were the four. I'm the four. You're the baby. I'm the baby. Wow, and all the, I mean, how's your family doing now? How's it going? Everybody's good, you know? Okay. I mean, my brother, he uh, does IT manufacturing yeah. in Dallas. Okay. My sister is with Abbott Labs. They just had a, a patented device for COVID-19 testing, rapid testing. Yeah. She's doing great. My mom's 85, living in, in Wichita. Yeah. And she's, a, she's a, a grandmother for Head Start program in Wichita, Kansas. Wow. Yeah, she still goes to work. Just talked to her this morning. She gets up at 4.30. Gets ready and goes to work. She she walks uh, what two two miles, you know when she does her walking and she's in good shape. Wait, was that your mother's sister I talked to on the phone? You talking about aunt? Yeah, aunt Jerry. Yeah, yeah, that Jerry. was fun. That was fun because that was the time you were you were here in the club and you had your iPad, and oh, was, or maybe it was a what was it an iBook? It's probably, it's probably my, my MacBook. Your MacBook, your MacBook. Yeah, I was doing a conference. I was conference yeah. call with them. And then you were conference calling, and so was that. <laughs> That was nice. That was they nice. love. They real. love talking to you, Lance. That was real. That's they real. love. So it. tell me more about your father. So your father, he worked for Boeing. Worked for Boeing. Then he worked for Honeywell. Honeywell, yes. In, in Minneapolis, there. Mm -hmm. Then he worked for IBM in Rochester, Minnesota. Mm -hmm. Then he took a job with G Research Labs in upstate New York. Okay. Okay. So the family's far, far from our roots, right. but he wanted to be up there. He had a great job, and so we took the family up there. We had a beautiful two-story white colonial home. You know, we had a quarter-acre lot, um, which is you know, if you're gonna had to push had to push mow push, push mow that you could you. And he had you out there doing it too. My brother was out there doing it, okay. and then then I'd watch him, and then he was you know, okay, you're you're next. Right, right, right. Yeah. Wow. So how did you get into the field? Where did you tell me about yourself? So you went to college where? So undergrad with Kansas State University. Kansas State, right? Yeah, and then I went there because. My brother, he went there undergrad, and he did his master's there. Okay. And so when I was looking around for places to go, it was like, well, my brother went there. Mm -hmm. I did a, in 1984, we moved from Kansas, I mean, from New York to Kansas. Mm -hmm. And I spent the summer with my brother. Okay. And so I did, I did, I did college trig. I did some other like, engineering program. 
I was a, I was a going between sophomore year and junior year, okay. and so I got to know the campus. I got to know the woman who's in charge of the minority engineering program, Karen okay. Hummel, and I was like, this is cool. This is a nice. It's a nice place to be, and so it was logical. Right after high school, I, I applied to other schools, but Kansas State they wanted me. Okay. They gave me good money, good scholarships, oh, that's good. and so that's where I went undergrad. Wow! And then what did you study? Electrical engineering. Electrical engineering. When I was five years old, I knew I wanted to be an electrical engineer. Well, how'd that happen? Because, okay, my, my brother's seven years older than me. Okay. Okay. And my dad always made math fun. Math, science, engineering. So we're so doing experiments. So I'm taking apart the, 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 the radio, the transistor radio. We're doing Heathkit experiments at home. It was always fun. And so that, I just, I, that's what I want to do. I want to do electrical engineering. And you still feel that way now? Yeah. All right. So, but what do you do? Okay, so fast forward. What are you doing now? And what brought you, first of all, what brought you to Japan? So, back, so my dad didn't work overseas, but he always told us, learn a foreign language. Because he was working with people from overseas, mm -hmm. right? And so I took German when I was in seventh grade. I liked it, but it didn't stick. And then I took Spanish in high school, two years. I wasn't serious about it. Mm -hmm. But my dad, he you gotta learn a foreign language. Mm -hmm. And he would always watch the news. We always talked about current events. We talked about you know politics, we talked about engineering. This is, this is just, just a dinner table. We opened the paper, watched the news, and so I had a very strong awareness of what's going on in the world. Mm -hmm. And when the, you know, back in the 80s, mm -hmm. Japan at that time was the, the, the foreign power that America was scared that's of. Right, that's right, that's right. Okay. They were buying up everything. They were buying up everything, they were selling things in the, in the U.S., and American companies were getting scared, mm -hmm. right? So Iacocca was talking about, oh, they're unfair trading partners, right? And the president, unfair. And I looked at that situation and I said, just because my, how my dad looked at the world, and I said, I bet if, if I could speak Japanese and if I knew that culture and if I lived there, I bet I could help American companies do well in Japan. I didn't know no Japanese. I didn't know no Japanese person. I didn't know anything about anime. I was just like, I loved their high tech. I was amazed that they rose up out of World War II, okay, and rose up to be the second largest economy. I'm like, how did that happen? How do you do that? And I was, I was just curious. I wanted to come over. That's how, that was what led me. Didn't have Japanese in high school. Didn't have an undergrad. But when I picked my grad school, I picked Georgia Tech in Atlanta. Okay. Because it was, it was a top school for my major, which was digital signal processing. So everything you're doing today, all these phones, everything you do, that's what I wanted to study. Okay. I wanted to make this world that we live in today exist. And so I went to Georgia Tech. They had Japanese. And I, I took Japanese there. So when did you graduate? What year did you graduate? I came out of Georgia Tech in 1993. And after that, you came straight to Japan? So I got a scholarship. Okay. Wait, wait, you got a scholarship yeah. to go where? So when I was at Georgia Tech, I, um, <laughs> I, t I signed up for Japanese, which was foolish, because I'm a grad student at Georgia Tech, and Georgia Tech is no joke. But I'm gonna take Japanese too. I go to class, the kid sitting next to me, he was American, but he spoke Korean, he spoke Chinese and he was just starting Japanese. The Japanese teacher speaking Japanese from the first day. Right I said, I'm out of this class. <laughs> I dropped that class so fast. But I found a uh, poster and it said, if you have one year of Japanese, you can apply for this scholarship, which, which was to help more American engineers to know Japanese. And you would go to Japan for two months, summer intensive class, and then they would help you find a job in Japan. And I said, okay, I'm gonna do it. So I took my grad program, which is only one year, and I pushed it out. Okay. I pushed it out one more year so that I could get the Japanese. When I, so I, when I moved my classes out, it was a lot easier to 
do my engineering and Japanese at the same time. Because I, I was going to go. And if you talk to anybody, they said I was going to Japan. From when I was an undergrad, they were talking about that. I was going to go to Japan. He's going to go to Japan. Because I was just dead focused on So when you, did you get here? I got here June 1993. Flew over on so Northwest right Airlines. So it was right after you graduated, right? Right after I graduated. I got a scholarship. And uh, I, went, I went to... Um, they took us by bus from Narita Airport up to Fukushima Ken, okay. Kodayamashi. Right. And they did that big smart program because they said, look, we don't want you to see Tokyo. At all? At all. Okay. We're gonna put you up there, ain't nobody speaking English to you, and you were gonna know Japan. And it was great. So I, from that experience- And that was for three months? Two months. Two months? Two months. Okay. And I love Japan. I was like, hey, I can speak Japanese, they understand me, and I understand them. So what did you love about Japan? What made you love it? Man, I just, I love the people. Okay. That's because, okay, so I'm, I'm Midwest. I've always had a problem in Tokyo because when you, when you, walk, when you walk, walk and you see someone, you, you usually say hi. You don't even, you just say, because it's a person. But, so the small towns, it's like that. Yes, yes. You can, you go into a bar and the guy next to you start talking about where you're from, where yeah, he's from. Yeah. He he just you might not speak great Japanese, but he's gonna talk to you. Right. You get lost, someone's gonna help you. We were up in um, Goshikinuma, and it's it's, it's you know both volcanoes got five lakes, and we're we are lost. We're trying to find the bus stop to get back to the town. This guy in a little Suzuki, old Japanese dude. When was this? Now you're again the summertime. Junior. This is 1993. 1993. So why, why you, and some, so you and some of the other students? Other students were, okay. were hiking in 1993, okay. and this guy, he just sees these college kids, and he's like, he doesn't speak. He doesn't speak English, and our Japanese isn't that good, but we were trying to like tell him we need to get here on a map, and he's like, get in. <laughs> we get in his little Suzuki, and he. Drove us to the bus stop, got out, Good to go. and said goodbye. And so I was just like, what? what is going on? The most amazing thing was this. We had just learned in Japanese class how Japanese have an asymmetric giving. You know? And so if you're the older one, you know, you're going to give more, and the younger one, you give less, right? And so, and so we, were, we were like, okay, let's go try this out. And we, met, we went to this izakaya. And again, Kodayamashi, right? right? And we said, okay. There's some, a, like, a group of friends next to us, Japanese, older, older, you know, they're like in the, say, 50s. Still working, not retired, you know, and they were having a nice time out. And it's me and my classmates. It's like, like five of us, okay. And um, they bought us a beer. They bought beer for our table. Okay. And we said, oh, let's try this out. Right. So we bought them beers, you know. We bought them beers, and they bought us beers. And we don't like this all night. Okay. We're buying beers, they're buying beers, we're getting to know who they are. At the end of the night, it was it's time to go. Okay, we gotta go. And uh, they had left ahead of us, this, this group of, of friends, they left. We go to pay, and they say, um, they paid for you. That means they paid for all the beers, back and forth, and our food, and it was like, I was like, we were like, what? They don't know us, we're just sitting here. Who does that? I, I, I was like, man. And so we went, so the next day we went to the store and we got a, we went to the, one of the department stores by the train station and just got a present, you know, and we brought that to the, to the store, to the restaurant. I said, hey, we don't know who they are, but can, you know, you know them and could you please let them know? We said, we just wanna say thank you. And I was like, this is Japan. You know, of course, we did Obon Festival. You do the Obon dancing, and everybody's having fun. It's very festive, right? So you do that. 
I did a homestay up in uh, my homestay family. We're still friends. We still keep in touch and everything. Um, up in Yamagata Ken, Takahata Machi. It's, it's a very small place. My homestay mother, I talked to her a few, few weeks ago. Okay. This is back from 1993 to now. Still in touch with her. Still in touch with her. Farmers, rice farmers. They, every time you go up there, everything on that table is going to come from her garden. It's not a, it's a, it's, it's, you can think, it's a huge garden, okay? It's a huge garden. I remember I went up there one time because they needed some help. They were, they were growing um, cucumbers. You know, this is back, this is like, like 2000 and, let's say 2000 and like, um, seven. And I helped them out growing cucumbers. Learn, I learned how to pick, you take the, they have a stick. This is Japan, right? They got a stick that measures the proper length of a cucumber, okay? And you have to hold it up and you measure it. And if it's too short, don't cut it. If it's too long, cut it and put it in the box that's, you know, the reject box. And it's just, that was, that's just, all, that's just a pain. That's the, so yeah. So you stayed here for two months doing that. After that, what happened? You go back to the States. I went back to the States. I went to work for Texas Instruments. Okay. Okay, but that, that's, a funny, existed, right? that's a funny story because when I was at Georgia Tech, I, to go on that, that scholarship program, I had to have $1,000 of my own money. Okay. It cost, it cost uh, $11,000. The scholarship was for 10, but you had to have one. I thought, okay, I'll write to friends and family and get $1,000. I didn't have time. I was trying to finish up graduation, my, my, my research paper and everything, get graduated, find a job. So I go to Texas Instruments for a job interview. And I get there, and the first guy, he was the, he was the, he was the hardball guy. He's like, I heard you want to go to Japan. I was like, yeah, I want to go to Japan. Aren't you afraid of racism? I was like... Well, I've, I've done really well in the United States, and I went to Kansas State, population 20,000, minority population, maybe, you know, Two. maybe 100, <laughs> you know, and, and uh, I was the, um, I got my friend who's from Trinidad Domingo, okay. who was a non-traditional student from military, I got him elected as, as president, student body president, and I was his chief of staff. I said, I think we'll be okay over there. He said, okay. So he, he softened up after that. I had several other interviews, and the next guy said, Stephen Covey's book, right? about um, seven, seven how successful people. Right. He says there's a chapter in there that talks about an axis, x-axis, y-axis. It's about urgent, not urgent, and important, not important. He says everybody has problems with the things that fall into the place which is important, but it's not urgent because you, know, you just procrastinate. I said, I got a problem like that. I got this scholarship to go to Japan, and I have to get $1,000, and I haven't had time to write to people. He says, yeah, that's exactly what I'm talking about. And the interview continues on, right? I meet some other people. I meet the VP. Last guy's the VP of sales. Everybody else had written stuff down, okay, about the interview, you know, my answers and everything. The VP, he didn't write nothing. We talked about sailing. We talked about my research. He gave me a book to help me with my research. And I was like, okay, I guess either he didn't like me or he liked me. Mm -hmm. it, it was the interview before lunch. Before I go to lunch, one of the women organizing the interviews comes up to me and says, Ira, Dave wants to see you when you get back from lunch. And I thought, oh, he must want to write something down because he didn't write nothing, right? I come back from lunch and Dave says, Ira, you know that $1,000 you talked about? We're going to give you a scholarship for $1,000. And on top of that, I'm going to set up interviews for, not interviews, I'm going to set up meetings for you with my counterparts in TI Japan. I want you to meet them after you finish that, that two-month Japanese program. 
Dude, nobody ever done that for me in my life, man. Talk to me, man. I was just like, oh my gosh. This, you know, I'm blessed. I, I, I'm just trying to get a job. And this guy is like, and all, everybody else, I, I knew Apple. I had offers from Apple and Motorola. Motorola said, Ira, we need you to come to us right away. You can't go on the, the program. And I was like, well, I can't, I'm not gonna work with you. You knew what you wanted. I know, and, and, and Apple was kind of like, well, you know, it, it was, I, I need to do this two-month program. And T.I., that day, he was the smartest guy. That was, that was the easiest $1,000. And I gave, I gave T.I. a huge return. Of course you did. It was huge, man, huge. He knew what you needed. He, he knew, knew what, what your value was. He was And he knew how to get me. He sure did. He didn't say it is contingent upon you taking the job. Now, now tell me, now I get you. What did you do for them? Tell me, let's get into okay, that. Okay, let's what get into you, that. What did you do? You see this phone here? Yeah. So I used to make, I used to run. Well, this one was my phone. <laughs> I used to run, um, it's a cellular phone chipset design team in Japan. Right. So I came here, so after the program finished, I went to work for TI in Dallas. That was 1994. Mm -hmm. no, no, 1993, right after that, okay. In 1994, TI sends me back to Japan. To the office here. To office here. So it's right. I know that was by. Um, they had one. They had one in Aoyama, but Aoyama. I worked in I worked in one in, in, in Shiba Oda. Oh, Shiba Oda. Okay. Okay. And so you know you know Masa. Oh, we took them at that. But I know him. Yes. But did you know a guy by the name of Knight? A brother. No, I didn't know that. Uh -huh. Okay. He came over here every now and then. He was he was like you, what I like to call the very brainy brothers. Okay. <laughs> really brainy. And I met him over there. Right didn't know Knight. Did you know John Stick? I know the name. Yeah, because when you were president, John Stick was okay. senior vice president of TI Japan. Yes. Okay, so John was my, my mentor here. Here. And we're still, he's still my mentor. But where's so, he now? Where's he he's now? in Dallas, Texas. Okay, okay. Yeah, Christina. She was, she was uh, Christina Stick. She was involved in the women's group. And, and the John was okay. involved in the, you know, American okay. Chamber of Commerce. Right. right? So um, I come over here in 94, and my job was to teach all the sales force digital signal processing. Okay, and again, that's everything from your phone to your TVs to your, your Siri, all that stuff is digital signal processing. Okay. okay, so I'm on the precursor edge of all that stuff. So I show up, teach all the sales team, I had a great time. You know, sales guys, right? So they're gonna show you Japan. You're gonna have the, the set ties yeah, and yeah, yeah. Yes, yes, So yes. I'm this young kid, I'm teaching these, I'm teaching these old sales guys, and they're like, come on, I, you need to go, you need to go golfing, you need to go karaoke, you need to go. So I'm like, okay. Right? And I'm just eating it up. I'm a young kid. I'm like, this is great. So, hey, well, how old were you when you did come? How old were you when you came here? Do you remember your age? Oh my come God. on, you have to remember that. What was I like, 25? 20, that's, yeah. I was, you were having I was a young ball. ball. I was having a ball, man. You were having a ball. I was having a ball. I mean, t so 25 going from, okay, now I grew up poor. Okay, yeah. my, my dad was a stellar you said, engineer. You said you grew up poor. I said that because what happened was he, he had a mental illness. Okay. Okay. Right. And so, Kind of like a beautiful mind, you know. This I is know, I know a beautiful the, I mind. Movie, yes. Brilliant, brilliant man. Yes. And then um, he he stopped working. Okay. Okay. Because um, disagreeing with the boss, and then he had uh, just some challenges in his life. Okay. okay. So okay. mom had to be the breadwinner. Everything, yes. Okay. And so at one point she's working three jobs. At one point she would uh, she I'd find out later in life she would uh, she was like uh, a maid at hotels. Okay, and another job, she would go to McDonald's to change to go to the next job. Wow. 
Okay. And you knew nothing about this. I, mean, I didn't know. I, I mean, knew. I didn't, I didn't know this kind of stuff. Yeah. I just knew my mom was going to work. You knew she was going to work, and she was always at work. And she was always at work. Right. And so, and I, it got to the point where you know, my dad would come and go, you know, because it's kind of okay. the mental illness. So he would come and go, um, but he was always there. Mm-hmm. He's always he always showed up at the right time. So my dad was always there in my life. But there were a lot of times where it was pretty much me, because my mom was working. She'd work thirty shifts. Okay. But your older sister took care of you too. Um, no, because she passed away in oh, 1984. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. And my brothers, oh, they they had gone to college. Okay. And so with my mom and myself. So how old were you during this time? I came in well during so during from from let's uh, see my dad so from from second grade from second grade until uh, yeah my high school I mean I had helped yeah so I had I grew up I grew up I had to learn a lot of things you know yeah. had to be the man in the house. I, I, I've been doing my mom's family. taxes since I was 13 years old. What? Yeah. And I remember, uh, you know, she would. Uh, we moved back to we moved from back to Kansas to be close to the family, mm-hmm. you know. And that was that was it was just her and me, and that was in 1984, you know. And um, yeah, so real tight moms, real tight moms. Wow. She taking care of me. I'm taking care. I had to grow up. I had to grow up. So I'm the youngest of four, but I had to become the, I had to become yeah, the oldest. Because your brother was off. He's off. He's doing he's his. He's, he's doing his stuff. Thing. My sister's off. Yeah. And so it's and me. It was just you and her. Yeah. Wow. And your mother's still. No, she, she's still around. She's around 85 years 85 old. 85 years old. Yeah. And so that's what I'm saying. You know, she's like the house she's in. I was able to help her. You, you know, put the down, help her with the down payment on the house. You know, and always just always going home, and I go home as much as I can to see her mm-hmm. and take good care of her because she took good care of me. That's interesting. Okay, so back to your text. So you okay? Text. So so I'm coming. So I come back. So 1994, I teach digital enterprise in the sales team. Then I go back to Silicon Valley. Like back, I go to Silicon Valley in 1995, January. Mm-hmm. Okay, and I'm there learning high tech, you know, capital of the world, and I'm it's learning. Really, it's booming. Man. It's booming. It's booming. Big. Hard disk drives are big. I'm learning about hard disk drives. TI made chips that go into hard disk drives. In Japan, is a place that has a lot of hard disk drives companies like IBM, okay, mm-hmm. Hitachi, Toshiba. Mm-hmm. So that was the plan. Was, okay, I would go there and learn about hard disk drives, and then you come back, and I led the application team for hard disk drives. Okay. Okay. And right around that time, 3G is going to start to come online in Japan. And I have a mentor at Texas Instruments, and he was running the 2G chipset business. Mm-hmm. And they needed him to go do 3G. And so he needed to backfill. And him and I were buddies. And he said, all right, we need to take this job. And the job was um, a company in Israel, okay? They made this software, okay? And we made the chips. Okay. Texas Instruments did, okay? But the phones were sold. Remember J-Phone? Yes, J-Phone, okay? yes. So J-Phone. So J-Phone, these, this, this chip man, this, you know, System integrator in, in Israel made the chips that went into phones like Toshiba, you know, Kenwood used to make phones. My team, so I used to fly all the world. I had, I had to fly to Dallas, Texas, I fly to France, because we had a, a division in France that would pr- provide IP for the, the phone mm-hmm. as well. And uh, I had to be in, um, be in Japan. Did you ever go to Israel? Of course. Okay. Yeah, because that's, that's my customer. I had to go, that's my customer in Israel. Right? And so DSPC was the name of the company. And so we're making this business, right? The second phone in the world to ever have a camera 
was a chip that my team made in the world. And so when that first came out, well, the flip phones, you mean? Yeah, the, the flip phones, back to the right, Galapagos yeah, yeah, now, right? Well, yeah. Yeah. So J-Phone was the ones who was pushing. That's what I had, yeah. Yeah. And so the first one came out with Sharp. Okay. Because Sharp was the lead That's phone right, manufacturer yeah. for J-Phone. But the second one was Toshiba. Okay. And that was our customer. Right. And I remember being in Odaiba in the Christmas time of that year and just watching couples taking pictures with their phones. And you knew you had something in the way. Yeah, and that's, so that's, that's, and that's what I, that was my dream. When I grew up, when I was a kid, I said, you know, I want to make things that I can tell people, you know, we made that, that people love, that people love to, make, to use. Mm -hmm. And that's, so yeah, that's what I was doing. Wow. Yeah. So then, okay, so then you finished, when you finished, you, you, you're not working with them any longer, of course. Not anymore, working. not anymore. So how did that, tell me that transition from there. And okay. I met, um, Mickey, he calls himself Mickey. Mickey, yeah, Mickey. Yep. So did he? He didn't bring you here, did he? He didn't bring me here, but at that time he ran the he ran like Marcom for Texas and Smith Japan. Okay. And so because I was doing the um, TI was making a huge push in the digital signal processing, and so as a teacher, okay, I was I was like a um, provider information to to Masa. Okay. Okay, and, and you know the old school guys right. need to learn the new tech. Right. Okay, so I'm, I'm providing information. So that's like I have to know Masa. Right. Okay, and so now Masa was working with TI. He's working for TI. But now he has his own company now. Yeah, Mommy Masa retired. You know, and then after he went to he went to Merrill Lynch, he went to right. Merck, and then now he's he's retired. Okay. Yeah. Well, I thought you guys were doing something together. No, you're not. You were. No, no, okay. just very good. Just great friends. All right, all right. Always good friends. Wow. So what'd you do after that? Okay. So mm -hmm. then after after that, so TI was the big thing I made for TI was. The relation between TI and Docomo. Okay. Okay. So when the 3G FOMA, when FOMA was coming out, Docomo said, we want to have the Dick Tracy phone. And they needed a chip to power the Dick Tracy phone. Uh -huh. And TI had the best chip. So what I was able to do was, TI is a chip maker. We sell to people like NEC, Panasonic. The head of our business division in, in Dallas says, we need a relation with Docomo. Because that time, Docomo, Docomo was it. They were, they were dominating, everybody's like, I mode, everybody's like, I mode, oh my gosh, and now 3G's coming, and Japan said, we're going to lead the world in 3G. And so nobody in Japan, TI Japan, had a relationship with Docomo because they don't, they're not a customer. In Japan, you don't have a customer, you don't, if you don't have a relationship, then you can't do nothing, right? Mm -hmm. Well, I said, well, shoot. I read, I read an article, there was a German lady who wrote an article about Docomo, in that she interviewed the director of this phone group in Docomo. Mm -hmm. I said, well, I'll just meet that German lady. I said, how did you meet that guy? She says, oh, well, I have a friend who introduces people, introduces companies to companies, and she can help you. I said, okay, well, let's work together. I got approved for the budget. We, we paid the, you know, Shokai Sha woman. And after a series of meetings, I got the top heads of Texas Instruments, you know, wireless division to show up in Japan. And we had one of the big board, you know, big board meeting rooms. Right, right. And my boss was a VP of uh, manufacturing is in there, and our CTO was in there. And that was the start, man. Was that, that's the first time you ever did anything like that? The first time ever. That must have put you on a highlight. Oh, huge highlight. And man, you had to be so nervous, you know, to do either. <laughs> when did all the things that could possibly go wrong? Go wrong, right? Of course. I'm, I'm doing something that big, it's big. those pieces together? It's big. And but, hopefully it wouldn't, but it came off right, didn't it? It came right. You wouldn't have, you wouldn't have, FOMO wouldn't have existed without that chip. That, that was the key because it had to have you know, power and had to have the performance, yes, yes, right? Yes, yes, yes. And everything like that. So, yeah, so we ended up with 100% market share of Docomo for that chip, for the application processor. Okay. 100% market share. 
ended up Docomo invested in a joint venture. We had a joint venture with Panasonic, NEC, uh, Texas Instruments, you know, uh, Mitsubishi uh, Semiconductor, NEC Semiconductor is a big thing. Wow. So that's what I'm saying. So because so that one thousand dollars, it it, it, it turned. I mean, big, I, numbers, I, the, the numbers became <laughs> massive. So big, yeah. Became massive. Wow. Yeah. So it was big. So that's cool. So after that, so tell okay. Me so, then, so then, so so then, Ti. Okay, we Ti said, okay, we're gonna. Ti decided that they're not gonna continue that business. They just dropped it. They, I remember they decided they to drop it. it. They said, you know, yes. we're not gonna continue building big digital chips. Okay. And so they didn't say it publicly, right? I know, but, but, but they were, the, the division that had been built in Japan was starting to wind, they were winding it down and said, okay, well, I got to go somewhere else. And so I went to Stanford. I, I said, okay, I'm going to go do an MBA. I did an executive MBA at Stanford and cause I said, okay, now it's time to go start my own company. That's what I want to do. Okay. And a friend of mine, a brother from Texas, from Texas Instruments that I knew, he's like, Ira, if you go to Stanford, bring your business plan. Right. He said, because what you do then, don't, don't start your business plan at, at Stanford, bring it with you, so then you get some other smart people to figure it to out, figure it out it, for you, it and then when you leave, then you got your business yeah, going. and your money, you paid for then it, I, right, right Boom, that's right. right. So that's what I did. And it was great, I mean, it was great. Stanford's amazing school. Wait, you still have your own business? No, I, I, I shut that one down. How long did you have it? So I was a precursor to all this digital learning, all this video learning. So when I was setting up, I had it up from 2008 after I graduated to 2000 and uh, let's say 11. So yeah, three years. Was it, was it good for you? It was good. It was a good learning experience, man. Right, good. It was good. It was good. I had, you know, it was... Did you sell the company or you just decided to stop? Decided to stop. Okay. It was, it was a technology that it was, it was trying to do online language exchange. So take kids in Japan and kids in Australia right. and they're going to be able to learn the language by making friends. Okay. So forget all this, you know, grammar. Okay, right, you, right. Got, you got to be a teacher. But you got to practice. The hardest thing for personal and foreign languages is to find someone to, someone to practice with. And that's what you learned when you came over here the first that's time. That's And you were thrown into the power. That's why I started the company. It's, you know something, I, yeah. my son, I sent one of my sons, I, I didn't tell you this part. After they graduated from high school, I didn't allow them to um, go straight to college. They had to spend one year outside of Japan. That's smart. So Louis wanted to go to France. The mistake I made was to let him go into school. Oh. He went to high school there. He just graduated from high school, and I put him to high school to learn the language when I should have had him work with the family. Yeah. And he would have learned French like that. Yeah. He would have had it. That's my, yeah. and that's my bad, Louis. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> right. So that's, that's, that, was, that was that company. Um, I shut that one down, yeah. and then I went back to, it was kind of fun. I went back into, well, I was looking for an investor. And this guy named David Uze, he said, uh, Ira. I can't invest in your company, but if you come work for me, if he's working at Freescale, Freescale Semiconductor. David okay. was president of Freescale Semiconductor Japan. He said, you come work for me, and I'll, uh, you know, the money I pay you can be used for your company. I said, okay, that sounds great, that's fair. You know, I do. He wanted somebody who could help him with, again, an application processor that Freescale had made, and they wanted to put it into the consumer space. Okay. So 4K televisions is what was happening. Then. then this is back this is back yeah so that's a great about technology right but all the stuff yeah, you see yeah, now yeah, has yeah, been right. has been, been we've been doing it for years yeah. so this is you know 2000 this is yeah this is like 2011 right okay so a decade ago a decade I'm, I'm going in to create a chip for 4k tvs they haven't even come out online really well yet they haven't become and they're part of the market they're, they're part of the market but, but, yeah. but there's they're, no they're, material for it right 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 that's the biggest thing but that's usually for most technology yeah 
they, there's not enough content I made exactly for people to really enjoy it. Yeah, you know, my goodness. So that's where you. That's not where you are now. Is that where you are now? Or no, that's where no. you were so, back then. Okay, so, so now I'm on. I'm on the next thing. So I'm all. You know, always be on the cutting edge. Can you tell us about what the cutting I can, edge? I can. Of course, I it's AI. Now let me ask you this. Mm -hmm. I'm just curious. Someone spoke to me once, and just from my living here so long, is it's my belief that Japan is the leader in AI in the world, but they don't say anything about it. Or, or maybe not AI so much as robotics. Definitely robotics. They, and they robotics. are they are leading them for robotics. They're way ahead of everybody in way robotics. Ahead of everybody. And I tell people, Japan's trying to work on the skin now. Yeah. They're, way, they, they're yeah. lying down, jumping, or doing flips. They, they conquered that a long time ago. I mean, you always see it, right? It's, it's a cultural right. thing. Because Japan has a shrinking population. Who's going to care for all these people? Robots. Who's going to take care of these jobs? Robots. So, that's, so there, there's a reason why they're on that, on that bent. Now, AI, how do you mean when you say AI? Because it can be used in many, in many, many ways. So the main thing about it, the, the great thing about AI is that it's able to uh, think a whole lot better than you and I can about complex things, complex relationships, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. okay? So now, all you've known since the time you was born until now is stereo. You listen to your music in stereo. You're gonna watch Netflix in stereo. Now, there's surround sound. You know, if, you've got, if you can afford it, you got the space, you'll get some surround sound speakers, okay? But that's putting speakers around you to give you the feeling of being immersed. But God gave you the best hearing. It only takes two ears, and you hear everything in, in, in 3D, right? But a man hasn't been able to figure out how to do that until we came along. So what we're able to do is this. How you hear sounds, how you know the fact that I'm here, is there's a waveform that comes from my, my voice, right? It's pushing the air molecules, and the waveform hits your ears. Okay, now of course you can see me, but if you couldn't see me, there's a specific wave pattern that your brain has learned from the time you were a baby. And it's, it's unique, to, it's unique to you. To you, it's, if that waveform hit my ears, I wouldn't know what it. I would. I would not know you were in front of me. And so, the, the really smart people in our company were able to figure out. Okay, look. If I know every single wave pattern for different positions, 360 degree coverage. Okay. If I know that relationship between how your ear is shaped, because your ear shape is what changes that pattern. So think of a uh, a pond, right? And you put a pebble in there. Waveform ripples out, right? It deforms when it runs into a boulder. That boulder are the folds in your ear. So what we're able to do is we take a picture of your ear. We know the sound waveform. And we're able to say that for this specific person, Lance Lee, that I know how you hear. And if I know how you hear, I can make your brain think. I can play a sound and make it think. That sound came from here or here or here because I know the pattern. And the only way to figure that out is with AI because it's very, very, very complex. We, we have our algorithms to generate your model will run through a billion calculations to generate just your model for you. And I got it for everybody. So now they got the model then when you're playing uh, a game, mm -hmm. all of a sudden there's details in the game that you don't hear because I'll call it an ear mismatch. The sound designer may put birds in there, or they put, when you step on a spider in a game, the crunch, okay? Mm -hmm. And all those details is what makes life interesting. The, the little sizzle, you know, when you shuffle on the, on the carpet, 
right? Or when you touch the door, a little creak, or the fact this fan is blowing up here. All those things are what makes our world become real. And what happens when they're in a game or in music, all those go away. Because you can't hear and stare. All you have is staring. All you have is two channels. Two channels. Two channels. The more information I give your ear and your brain, the more real it becomes. And so now, when you listen to that game, you hear the crunch when you step on that spider. You hear the birds, and it adds to the detail, the richness of the game. And now you feel more immersed into it. That's what we do for gamers. And for pro audio, this is just really crazy. A lot of people make music today in their home. Right? I mean, you're doing this here. You are editing, we're gonna edit. This is a, this is a, this is a room. You're gonna take it home, you're gonna edit it down, and it's gonna be really nice. Okay, you're doing home editing. So, music industry, a lot of independent artists, they don't have access to multi-million dollar studios anymore. But their music, it's, it's difficult just mixing on headphones. So making music on headphones is difficult because you don't have the natural crosstalk coming over. There's details in your mix that you're not gonna hear as well if you had stereo monitors, okay? With our technology, we're able to model a multi-million dollar studio. And now because I have a model of how you hear, I can put you in that room. And so when you listen to your music on your headphones, it's gonna sound like it's coming from out here on stereo monitors. And more importantly, the acoustic treatment of that room, that multi-million dollar room, and why it's multi-million dollars, that acoustic treatment comes with it. And so now on, on headphones, I let you hear all the details that you would hear if you sat in, you know, say Bob Horn. Bob Horn mixed for Michael Jackson, mm -hmm. and BTS, okay, Herbie Hancock. This guy's brilliant. I can make you feel like you're sitting in his studio and hearing how he hears sounds, but on your headphone, you could be sitting here in Tokyo. Mm. So that's what we do now. And I, I run, this company's called Embody, and I, I run marketing for them. So when, when, when are these earphones gonna come out? No, right now. But it's not the earphones. It's just software. It's the software. So wait, wait. So what does what does a person purchase? What are they going to receive? So what you would do is, for example, like in your case, okay, um, you play sax, mm -hmm. right? You could download today. Mm -hmm. You can get one for uh, two hundred ninety-nine dollars. Okay, I'm in. Okay, okay? Right. and you just download it, and then you can listen to your music. If you're an audio file, you know, if you're Travel around. You can listen to it. And it's gonna sound like it's, it's coming from out here. It sound like you're in a nice, nice treated room. It's gonna sound good today. Yeah. What about what about books on tape? Is it anything that because that's not such a big deal because you just listen to someone speak. This someone speak. That's not a big oh, deal. But but for music or something like for that. Music or music or nature, movie or whatever. Or game, something like yeah, that, right? like that. When you want to feel more connected to that story, right? Like take a good book. What's great about books is the author is able to paint. The picture, the person, mm -hmm. the play, you get you get transported. You know, you if do. it's a book in, about England, you're in England. You know, if it's a book in China, you you feel like you're in Mongolia. If it's about some place in Mongolia, you feel a good author can do that for you. <clears throat> That's all we're doing. We're giving the details, so you feel like you're really in that music or in that game. Yeah. All right, thank you, Rent. This is awesome. It's blowing my mind. I really like this. Look. I'm not going to take up any more of your time because I know you have to leave. I got to go. I know you got to know you have to go. Thank you for the time that you Thank you. Hey, it's my and pleasure. The, and this won't be the last time. Oh, I hope not. I hope this we get to come back. This will not be the last you time know? we'll be doing this again. It's, it's sure. an honor to be here because you, you are a great man. You're a great, no. you are no. a great man and you do great things. And I'm glad I got to sit down and talk to you. Thank you so much, Hannah. All of you that have been watching this, make sure that you click like, 
subscribe, leave a comment. I'd be interested to hear what you have to say, and I'm sure Ira will be too. And remember, it's all on loan, and continue to reach for the stars.